Let me begin by saying that one of the most important things that you can do, and yet at the same time, one of the most difficult things that you'll ever do is to pray for the members of your family. And I think there are two reasons for that. Number one, at least we would say this is one of the reasons we don't pray as much for our family members as we should. We would say, I just don't have time. I'm so busy. And the second reason that we find it difficult to pray for our family members is we don't really always know exactly what to pray. We can say, God, bless my spouse, bless my child, bless my parent, bless my brother or sister. And we, we do pray some things, but I think there's a point in interceding for our family members, we don't always know exactly what to say. Now, what I want to do tonight in this message is to deal with those two obstacles. We don't have time, and we don't know what to say. First of all, on the deal about we don't have time, we do have time. We have as much time as people have ever had. It's not like time has been reduced. The fact is, we this is going to sound harsh if I say waste a lot of time, but we spend a lot of time doing things that would be better spent in prayer. Two primary examples would be television and social media. Now, I'm not against television. When I get home tonight, I'm going to watch television. I'm going to get on my phone and educate myself on some things, and I'm going to have a dinner. I'm going to eat dinner when I get home tonight. That's going to be what I do later in the day. And then I want to read two or three verses out of the book of Habakkuk. So that's my evening. And it involves television, and it does involve some social media. So I'm not opposed to it. But I am opposed, to, I am opposed and God is opposed to too much of it. And so, we're going to come back to that in just a moment, but I want to say to you, you have more time in your schedule than you think you have. It's just that for many of us, our time is getting gobbled up with those two things. As far as saying, you know, John, I know we should pray for our family members, but I really don't know what to pray. I just kind of feel like I say the same thing, and God bless them, God help them, God be close to them, God protect them, and so on. Well, I want to give you some things tonight that you can pray, some specific things that you can pray for your family members. But before I give you the information, if you'll open your Bibles tonight to Ezekiel chapter 22, I just want to show you one verse. This will be the only verse tonight that we actually look up. But it's a tremendous verse, and it has to do with intercession, which is just a big word for praying for somebody other than yourself, whether that's for the country or for our church or for a family member. In Ezekiel chapter 22 and in verse number 30, God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, and God says this, so I sought, in other words, I was looking, God was looking for a man or a woman among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. And so God had made a decision to punish his people. But before he brought that punishment to pass, he was looking down from heaven to see if anybody would stand in the gap and pray for his people. But notice the last few words of the verse, but I found no one. God said, I was looking for an intercessor. I was looking for someone who would say, Father, God, please be merciful. Hold back your judgment. Forgive your people. Don't punish us, God, for what we have done. But he said, I didn't find anybody praying. I didn't find anybody willing to invest some time praying for somebody else other than themselves. And so as we think tonight about making time, and you say, I don't have time. You'll never have time in that sense. You have to make time. You have to carve time out of your schedule. And then when you get to that time to begin to pray, you have to know what to say. You have to 
Certainly, we, can, we always should pray from our hearts, but there are some things we learn in Scripture, specific things that we can and should pray for our family members. Now, before we get into these things that we could and, could and should pray, can and should pray, I want to give you a challenge tonight to look at your schedule, your daily schedule, and before I even give the challenge, I have to say this. Some of you already have a very disciplined regimented, uh, meaningful prayer time each day. And, and, and as you're listening to this, if you're a sincere person, you're thinking, John, if you add anything else to my prayer time, I'm not going to be able to hold out because I'm already spending a lot of time in prayer. Let me say this. I've been in a lot of, I'm one of those people who is influenced by preachers. Grown up in a pastor's home, my heroes have always been pastors and preachers. And so if there's a pastor or a preacher that I look up to and he says something, I'm going to have a hard time not doing what he suggested that I do. But I've learned as I've gotten a little bit older, you can't always add to your plate everything else that somebody suggests, to, suggests that you add, and here's why. They're not doing everything you're doing. So sometimes you might hear a pastor say, I think everybody ought to do this every day. Well, that may be all that man's doing. And yet you're doing something else. And so if you add something onto your plate from what you're doing, even though his heart was right and your heart's right and everybody's heart's right, it's going to be a burden to you. And so the last thing I want to do to you on this Wednesday night, you've come to church on a Wednesday night. We barely got this thing started back. I don't want to put a burden on you, a bondage on you, a yoke on you to make you feel guilty and make you feel like you've got to do more than you're already doing when some of you feel like, John, I'm already reading the Bible so much and praying so much, I can't do anymore. Here's what I would say to you. If you're in that group, listen to what I have to say. Think about it. Maybe incorporate some of what I'm about to say into what you're already doing. But don't add this onto what you're already doing. Now, for those of you here tonight who say, well, you know, I'm really not doing anything. I mean, I pray in the car, and I pray in the shower, and I pray, you know, walking down the hall of the house, but I don't really have a disciplined, regimented, scheduled prayer time each day, then I'm encouraging you to take this challenge, let's just say for 21 days. At the end of 21 days, you can reevaluate it and see if it was meaningful to you or not. Here's the challenge, to, to carve out in your daily schedule 30 minutes for disciplined, regimented, structure, structured prayer. 30 minutes. Now, if you say, and it's understandable that you might say this, John, there's no way that I can pray for 30 minutes. Okay? 15 minutes. But honestly, I don't think you could, what, what I'm about to show you tonight, I don't think if you set aside any less than 15 minutes that you could do very much of what we're about to talk about. So, I'm, I'm giving you a 21-day challenge, and take Sundays off. I don't, I don't do what I'm about to share with you tonight on Sunday, because Sundays are full as they are. Sundays are the day we come together and worship corporately, but Monday through Saturday, we're kind of out there on our own, right? So, so we need a little extra prayer time. So for 30 minutes or 15 minutes for 21 days, the next three weeks, see where you are. Either quit doing it and move on to something else, or you say, you know what? That was meaningful. I saw answers to some of these prayers, and I'm going to keep doing what you have challenged me to do. Now, as we get into the specific things that, that I think would be well advised for us to pray for our family members and friends, if you're a note taker and if you want to begin tonight or if you want tonight to take notes on this sermon, it'll be super easy to do because all the information is going on the screens. You can sit there and write it down. Having said that, I'm a note taker and I like to take notes if something interests me. 
But I'm about to put so much on the screens tonight that if I were you, I wouldn't write any of it down unless you're just a really fast writer. What I would do tomorrow, if you want this information, is to email Cindy Johnson, who is my ministry assistant. She and I work very closely together, and I have her permission. I called her before church, and I said, can I do this, or is it going to overwhelm you if a few people like She said, have them to email me directly at Cindy, C-Y-N-D-Y. There's no I in her name. There's no I in team, and there's no I in Cindy. C-Y-N-D-Y at fbp.org, and she will just email this to you tomorrow. Because we're about to have 11 slides on the screen, and these slides all have a lot of bullets underneath it. So if I were you, I'd just kick back and enjoy the show, right? Enjoy this, and then tomorrow I would email her, and if you want it, and she'll email it right back, and you will have it. But if you want to write it down, go ahead and do that. It's a free country. But when we pray for our family members, the one thing that we should pray is that God would bring us to a place. And when I pray this for my family, I lump myself in. So I'm praying for us. I, I begin my day when I do this prayer, always ask God to forgive me for all my sins before I pray. And then I call every family member by name, and I say, God, today, as I pray for my family members, I'm asking you to bring us to a place of wholeness. That is the key word tonight. If you wanted to write one word down, that would be the, uh, the key word to write down. Wholeness. God wants us to be whole. He wants us to be complete. One day Jesus went up to a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. And there Jesus is looking at this man. He can't walk. And Jesus said to him, strange question, but Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? Well, of course he did. But Jesus asked him anyway. And he indicated that he did, and Jesus healed him, and that man got up, and that man could walk, and he would be whole. And so the idea of wholeness in the Bible has to do with completeness. It has to do with maturity. It has to do with hitting on all cylinders. Don't, don't you have times in your life when you just say, man, I am hitting on all cylinders. Everything, mentally, I'm sharp. Spiritually, I mean, I'm connected to God. Relationally, things are going right for me. Uh, at work, all these different areas, I'm just hitting on all cylinders. Well, we've had, we all have those times. But sometimes we have times where we say, you know what? I'm not hitting on all cylinders now. I'm hitting on two cylinders. I'm not hitting on all the cylinders. Well, we need to pray for ourselves and for our family that we would hit on all cylinders and that we would be whole, that we would be complete, that there would be nothing lacking in our lives. Now, what I'm about to give are six different areas of wholeness. And this is something you can pray to God each day. You can say, God, for my family members and for me, first of all, I pray that you will bring us to a place of wholeness, spiritually speaking. So you want to begin by praying for spiritual wholeness. And I think that's going to be our first slide. Now, when I'm fleshing that out, it, when I pray this, I say, God, here's what I mean by spiritual wholeness. That in my life and our, my family member's life, here we go, there would be no sin... There would be no doubt, there would be no worry, there would be no bitterness, no bad feelings towards anybody, no grudges toward anybody, that we would not have anybody in our lives that we don't like. Now, I know in the church we always say, well, I love everybody, but I don't like her, or I don't like him. Well, we're making ourselves sound a lot more spiritual than we really are. <laughs> Because if you have somebody that you just can't stand, you can talk about you don't love them or that you love them but you just don't like. I mean, I, 
the, the truth is, bitterness is a big problem, and we need to pray that we be free of any bitterness, any grudges, any bad feelings. And not only that, that we would have no jealousy or no envy of anybody else. Jealousy is the green-eyed monster. You know, sometimes we get jealous of other people. We may look at somebody else, and they have something we don't have, or they have more than we have. And it's easy to get jealous and envious of that. Well, that's not right. We, we need to get to a place where we rejoice with other people's blessings. That, I really mean that. Even in church life, you sense this a lot with pastors. Sometimes they'll look at another church and they'll say, man, that church is bigger than ours. That church is doing better than ours. Well, instead of being jealous of that church, rejoice, of, rejoice for that church. Those are God's people too at that church. So we don't want to have any jealousy in our lives. Spiritual wholeness. Number two, we pray for this. Now, by the way. I'm just going to scoot through this tonight and resist the temptation to preach little sermons on all the bullets, okay? That ought to make you happy right there. So you won't be bitter at me. You won't be angry with me. Hold a grudge. But that's spiritual wholeness. Mental wholeness. Here's what you say. God, for myself and for every member of my family, bring us to a place where we're mentally clear, where we're mentally whole. How, here's how I flesh that out. God, here's, here's what I pray. I pray that we would focus on you that we would focus on you. You know, Jesus, the Bible says, if we'll focus on God, set our minds on God, he'll give us a, a peaceful mind and a peaceful heart. So God help us today to focus on you, not on problems, circumstances, negativity, any of that. Help us to focus on you. Help us to take every thought captive. God, every thought that comes into our mind, help us to take that thought captive. Because listen to me, friend, every day, the devil is dropping thoughts in your mind and in your family member's mind trying to hijack their thinking and ruin their lives. We have to learn to take every thought captive. Number three, the third bullet, that we would respond to the devil's lies with truth. The devil, among other things, is a liar. And he will put thoughts in your mind that are totally untrue. And so when a thought comes into your mind, a lie comes into your mind, what do you do? You answer that lie with truth. And you want to pray that for yourself and for your family. Something else, when I pray for mental wholeness, and you might think, well, now what's that got to do with mental wholeness? Well, quite a lot, actually. I say this. I say, God, I pray for no second guessing. I'm bad to second guess a decision. I really am. It's one of my weaknesses. And I'll make a decision. I've always been this way. And I'll reconsider it, and I'll change my mind, and I'll do this. And one of the things I prayed for myself for quite some time, God, help me not to be a second guesser. Help me be more decisive. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty decisive. It's just that after I make the decision, I'll second guess it sometime. No second guessing. Jesus said, if you put your hand in the plow and look back, you're not fit, right? And no rationalization. God, help my family members not to rationalize not to justify sin or rationalize things. Or if you call them to do something that sounds impossible, help them not to try to figure that out. Help them to trust you. Help me to trust you. No rationalization. Bring us to a place where we are mentally whole. And then the next category of wholeness is emotional wholeness. You know, the emotions are amazing. I'm fascinated by human emotions. And uh, God wants us to master our emotions so that our emotions don't master us. And so I say this, and this is something you might want to consider. God, I pray, we'll have no loneliness. We, should, we shouldn't, I mean, we all have that sometimes, but the fact is we're never alone. So we shouldn't be paralyzed with feelings of loneliness. No loneliness, no neediness. There's nothing worse than somebody who's emotionally needy. And I don't want to be that way. I don't want my family to be that way. We don't want to be needy. We want to be strong in the Lord and dependent upon Him. No neediness. We don't want to be clingy and needy like that. No. We want to be strong in God. No loneliness, no neediness, no being overwhelmed or stressed out. That's not a good way to live. 
You don't want to be that way. And you don't want your kids to be that way or your grandkids or your spouse or anybody in your family to be overwhelmed and stressed out. So you want to pray for that. No fear. You don't want to live with fear. God has told us not to be afraid. And then anxiety. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. So I say, God, please, today, help us to be emotionally whole. Every member of my family, none of those things, no fear, no anxiety, none of that in our lives. And then I pray, and this is a good, a good one to pray, physical wholeness. Have you ever noticed when you read the Gospels how many people Jesus healed? I mean, when Jesus saw somebody sick, he healed them. Now, I know when we get into healing, that's a whole nother deal. And we have to keep in mind that God's ultimate healing is physical death because that's the means by which we go to heaven. And so we've all had family members who got sick. We prayed they would be healed, and they died. And we think, well, God didn't answer my prayer. Well, if the person was saved, he did because he healed them permanently and perfectly in heaven. And yet when we pray for healing, we're talking about right here and right now. So sometimes God does it in heaven. Sometimes God does it on earth. But I pray, I mean, I've been praying this for a while for me and my family. Bring us to a place of physical wholeness, God, health and healing. And I'll put these things up there. I pray this. This may be more specific than you would want to pray, but nonetheless, it's what I've been praying for a while. No cancer, no diseases, no accidents, no falls, no COVID-19. I got a text today from a friend of mine who's 40 years old, who's in the ministry. He said, John, on Saturday, I'm doing a funeral for a friend of mine who just died of COVID. So I assume he's about 40 years old. I don't know how old he is, but he nonetheless died. And we're seeing numbers come down on COVID, and we're thankful for that. What's happening in India is, is horrible, and we need to be praying for that nation right now. But I, I encourage you to pray that, uh, that you and your family will stay healthy. No cancer, no diseases, no accidents, no falls, and no COVID-19, physical wholeness. And then after that, we want to pray for vocational wholeness. Some of you have kids and grandkids who don't have a job, and it would really be a blessing to you if they would get a job, right? Not only a blessing to them, but it'd be a blessing to you if they would get a job. So I pray, God, help us to always be vocationally whole. Give us good jobs. Give us good salaries. Give us good benefits. God, we pray for that. Here's something else I pray on that. I say, God, I pray now and for the rest of our lives, you would establish us in our callings, in our careers, in our churches, and in our communities, wherever we live, wherever we go to church, whatever the calling on our life may be, whatever our career path may be, establish us, plan us, and make us strong in you. Vocational wholeness. And then something else, financial wholeness. That's part of being whole. Finances. Jesus had a great deal to say about money. In fact, Jesus may have spoken more about money than he did any other single topic. That may or may not be true, but he spoke a lot about money. And so we want to pray for financial wholeness, that God would give us what we need, and then that he would give us what he wants us to have. Now, he... For, it, for him to give us what we need is absolutely essential, and he has promised to meet our needs. But you know, son, God is our Father. When I was growing up, my father, my mother, my parents, they always gave me what I needed, but they gave me more than I needed. They gave me extra, and they gave me, and we want to pray that for our Father. God, give me what I need. God, I need a house to live in. I need, I need a car to drive. I need, I need money in the bank. I need money for groceries, money for God, give me what I need. Got to have insurance. God, give me what I need. But God, give me what you want me to have. Sometime I'll say this. God, I pray you'll give me extra, abundance, overflow, surplus, 
12 basketfuls left over. Just like you did with the disciples after you fed the multitude. And then pray this. Say, God, as I'm asking you to give me what I need, and as I'm even asking you to give me more than I need, whatever it is that you would want me to have, help me to be a good steward of every material blessing that you have given me. And friend, that's what we are. We're not owners of anything. We're stewards of whatever it is that we have. God has given it to us, but he's given it kind of on loan. I mean, we're stewards of it. You, you say you have money. Let's say you have however much money you have, whatever your net worth is. Did you know that one day you and your money are going to be parted? Either that money's going to leave you before you leave it, or one day you're going to die and leave the money. Either the money's going to sprout wings and fly away from you, or one day you're going to die and you're going to fly away from that money. But you're not going to have, whatever money you have, you're not going to have it 75 years from now. Somebody else will be spending that money, right? Makes you want to be not so frugal, right? You want to go out and do something for yourself. Think somebody else is going to have. But you want to pray, God, help me to be a good steward. Help me to be financially whole. I pray that. And then here's a good one. The sixth, help me, God, to be relationally whole. You know, the Christian life is about our vertical relationship with God, but it's also about our, our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with each other. And so here's what I pray. I, I mean, when I pray this prayer, I, and I prayed it today when I was home, I say this. I say, God, I pray that you would be more real to us than anybody else in our lives. I pray that for me. God, I pray that you, my parents are, I'm very close to all my family. But I say this, God, help. I pray that you will be more real to me than my parents are to me. That you would be more real to me than my brother and his family. They're very real to me. I pray you would be more real to me than they are. And then I say this. I say, God, I pray that your presence in our lives, in the precious person of the Holy Spirit, would be more real to us than if we had you in the flesh. And if you want a verse to write down, if you're taking notes, John 16, 7, Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. Say this to his disciples. He said, for if I go away... The Holy Spirit will come to you. But if I don't go away, he won't come. And Jesus said, it is better that you have me living in your heart in the person of the Holy Spirit than it would be to have me in the flesh where you could see me and touch me and hear me with your ears. I pray that. I say, God, here's what I, I say, take your gen, that Genesis, not Genesis, John 16, 7 verse, dip it in the blood of Jesus and stamp it across my heart and my life and my family's life, and I pray that your presence in our lives, in the person of the Holy Spirit, would be more real than if we had you in the flesh. Relationally whole. And so when we think about relationships, we're we're talking, first of all, about our relationship with God. Don't don't you want your, you've got kids, you've got grandkids, you've got, many of you have got a spouse, and don't you want all these people in your family to be whole in their relationship with God, to find in Jesus all that they need. And so we pray that. We certainly pray that, our, that we would be whole and, you know, everybody gets along within the family, no tension, no strife, no, none of that. Within, that's never good. You want the family to be good and peaceful and whole and no friction, none of that. And then with our friends, I say to God, I say, God, I thank you for the friends you've blessed me with in the past. I thank you for the friends I have right now. And I pray I'll always have friends in my future. And you know what I've been praying for a long time? I say, God, help me to be a good friend. Because I've got a lot of friends. God's blessed me with a lot of friends. And many of you are in that category. But I want to be a better friend myself. And I say, God, help me to be a good friend. And then just whatever other relationship might be out there, something might be on your heart, you just pray for that. And so when you're praying 
for your family members, and certainly for yourself, you're praying for wholeness. I want to just list these again. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, vocationally, financially, and relationally. Now, you still listen? Say amen. Now, after you pray that, there may be something specific in one of your family members' life that you want to, after having prayed for the wholeness, I would suggest at this point, focus in on the specific of what is going on in somebody's life. Like, we're talking about praying for Vanessa Vordenbaum in the battle that she is going on right now. Well, I prayed for Vanessa today. She's not even in my family, but in a different prayer time, I prayed for her today. But if, if somebody in your family is, is battling cancer, they're unemployed, they're depressed, they're, something's going on, they're, they're trying to find their way in the world, they don't have a job, spend some time praying about that and say, God, I'm asking you, please, to, uh, to help and meet that need, whatever that need might be. Now, when we're praying all these specific things, and by the way, that next part that I'm not developing tonight, depending on what's going on in your family dynamic, that may be where you really hunker down and do your meaningful praying. you got a family member battling cancer who could die and, well, that would be when you would want to really pull that out to God. Or you've got a, another family member going through something else serious in his or her life. You say, God, now I've got to just stand in the gap here. And I've got to pray for what is going on in this person's life in my family. So I'm not spending as much time on that tonight. But in the development of this prayer in your own life, that might be something you really want to develop and say, God, here's what's going on. My husband just lost his job. If you're a wife, God, I just lost my job. Maybe you're trying to have kids, can't get pregnant. Pray about that. See what God might do. But, the, you know, you're going to pray the specific for whatever is going on at that time. Now, anytime we pray and ask God for something, I find it helpful as I come towards the end of my praying to ask God to answer this particular prayer on the basis of who He is. So I'm putting it on God, and I'm saying, God, here's my request, wholeness in all these areas. God, here's what I'm praying for my family as somebody's going through this. God, this is serious, and God, I'm praying for healing. I'm praying that cancer would would melt, would disappear, would go away for perfect blood, optimal blood work, no tumors, long life. I mean, whatever it is that you're developing. But at the end of that prayer time, I say, God, as I pray all this today, I'm praying that you will answer this prayer and all these prayers, first of all, on the basis of your character, of who you are. Now, who is God? Well, let me mention three things here. This is all be in the, on the screen, and you can all get on the email tomorrow. But here's what you say. God, I'm asking you to answer this prayer, first of all, because you are our healer. You're the healer. Exodus 15, 26, he is Jehovah Rapha. And so, God, I say, Lord, in the Old Testament, you healed people. In the New Testament, you healed people. For the last 2,000 years, you've been healing people. You've healed members of my own family. And so, God, I'm asking you to heal us. Now, that may not just be physically, spiritually, mentally. Sometimes we need to be healed mentally. We've got wrong thought processes. It's not right. It's not biblical. It's not godly. It's not edifying. It's not what it ought to be. It's filled with doubt and fear and second-guessing and rationalization. And No, God, spiritual healing. And so I, I say, God, I ask you, first of all, to heal us in all these areas because of your character as healer. Number two, God, I ask you to heal us not only because you're the healer, but because you're the completer. And you don't do anything halfway. 
And I'm not asking you to make us 50% whole or 90% whole. I'm asking you to make us 100% whole. You remember the time in the Bible, Jesus was in the process of healing a blind man. And he spoke to that man and, 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 and touched his eyes and so on. And he said, uh, okay, now what's everything look like? And that man basically said, well, it's better than it was before. I can see. I'm no longer blind, but everything's pretty blurry. And so Jesus touched him a second time, second touch. See, sometimes God heals immediately. Sometimes God heals over the process of time. I say this to the Lord when I pray this prayer. I say, Lord, I'm asking you to complete our healing in every area of our lives. You didn't heal that blind man halfway, and you don't want us half whole. You want us all the way whole in all these major areas of our life. You are the completer. Scripture verses, if you want to put them in there, Psalm 138.8, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Philippians 1.6, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it on the day of Jesus. He don't do anything halfway. He doesn't do anything halfway. He'll complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. And then I say, God, I'm asking you to, heal, I'm asking you to answer this prayer on, the, on your character, not only as healer and completer, but as restorer. You are the restorer. And in any of these areas, in our physical health, in our minds, in our emotions, in our finances, in our vocation, uh, in our relationships, I'm asking you to restore whatever it is we've lost. God's a restorer. What is, you say, well, what is he going to restore? I'll tell you what he restored, two things. Number one, he's going to restore the health. And by health, I'm talking about in all those areas. Jeremiah 30, 17, tremendous verse. God said, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. If you are saying, John, I'm depressed, well, that means you're not emotionally whole. So in order, in order, in order for you to be healed and whole, you've got to get out of that depression. Say, I'm anxious. Well, that's not wholeness. I'm, I'm afraid. Well, that's not wholeness. I've got doubt. So that's not wholeness. I don't have enough money. Well, that's not wholeness. My relationships aren't what they, well, that's not wholeness. So we say, God, I'm asking you to bring me to and to bring us to a place of wholeness. Restore whatever it is we've lost. And then let me give you a second verse, Joel 2.25. God said, I will restore the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Not only does God restore what we've lost, he restores the years that we lost while we were battling those problems in our lives. And so I say, God, whatever years we may have gone through in our lives as a family where we maybe had some uh, area where we weren't completely whole, not only do I ask you to give that to us, but God, make it up to us in our lives. Restore the years. Say, how's God going to restore the years? Two ways. Either He will restore the quality of the years you have remaining. He'll make them richer than they would have been had you not been through what you went through. Or He will he will restore the quantity. He'll give you a longer life, and he'll pay it back. God gives us double for our trouble. That's a biblical concept. So I say, God, I ask you to heal us and to complete our healing based on the fact that you're the healer, you're the completer, and the restorer. But then I say this. I say, God, I also ask you to heal us and complete our healing. Bring us to wholeness in all these areas, not just because of your character, but because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The atonement of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, friend. Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we find forgiveness of sin, salvation of the human soul, and we find healing for whatever in our life needs to be healed. Isaiah 53.5. Isaiah 53.5. By His stripes, we are healed. Claim that. The blood of Jesus. Matthew 8.17. He took our infirmities. And he bore our sicknesses. That's when he went to that cross, 
Yes, he took our sins. That's the main thing. But on that cross, Matthew 8, 17 is quoting Isaiah 53. And it says, he took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. And so, God, I say, on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ, I pray the blood of Jesus will flow from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, through our brains, hearts, lungs, all of our organs, through every part of our body, through our emotions, through our nerves. In every area of our lives, I pray the blood of Jesus would flow through our cells, organs, lymph nodes. I pray the blood of Jesus would flow through us. I like to quote Psalm 3.3, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. And I say, God, I pray the blood of Jesus would be a shield for us. Don't let anything come against us, God, that could do us harm. And if God forbid it does, I pray that your blood would wipe it out immediately and completely. The blood of Jesus not only saves and forgives, the blood of Jesus is where we find healing in all seven of these different areas of life. It's where we find wholeness. And so I say, God, based on the blood, I'm asking you to give us wholeness. And then I say this as I come to the end of my prayer. I say, God, I'm asking you to heal us in every area and to keep us whole, complete our healing, help us to walk in divine wholeness based on your righteousness, not on our righteousness. Isaiah 64, 6, our righteousnesses are like filthy rags to God. Psalm 16, 2, the psalmist said, my goodness is nothing apart from you. When I get to this point in the prayer, I say, God, I'm asking you to answer. This is a massive prayer, but I'm asking you to answer this prayer based on your righteousness, not our righteousness, based on the blood of Jesus Christ. And at that point, I go through every family member, and I say, God, I'm asking you to look at this particular family member of my life and consider that the blood of Jesus is on that person. And on the basis of his blood. And on the basis of his righteousness, I'm asking you to answer this prayer. And I walk right down through every member of my family. God, consider the blood of Jesus on us. Consider the righteousness of Christ on us. And it's on the basis of his blood. And it's on the basis of his righteousness that I'm asking you to answer this prayer. Now, you still listen? Say amen. Now, I would say two or three months ago, I've I've kind of prayed this prayer for a good while. I'll say two or three months ago, I thought, well, you know, I'm praying this prayer. And yet... I don't want it to be vain repetition where I'm just quoting a prayer to God every day. And so I said, well, I'm going to take a few days here, and I'm not going to pray through that outline. I'm going to just pray more free-spirited because uh, I, you know, I want to be real with God. And, and I did that, and do you know what I experienced when I was just praying? I, here's what happened to me anyway. My mind started wandering. I wasn't praying as specifically. What I just gave you tonight is very specific things to pray. My mind was all over the place. So I tried that for a few days, and I said, God, the downside of having a prayer that you have basically memorized, and you're praying that every day, if we're not careful, it can be vain repetition. But God, I've gotten away from the outline, and now I'm just talking, and my mind's going everywhere, and it's not as effective a prayer time. And I said this to the Lord. I said, God, I'm going to come back to that outline that I just gave you tonight. It's a mental outline for me. I've never written that down. I've developed it in my own heart and mind. I said, God, I'm going to come back to that structure that I pray with. And here's what I said to God. I said, God, it may be repetition, but it's not vain repetition. It means something to me. And I've gotten back into that outline, and I'll flesh it out, or I'll alter it, or I'll do it differently every day, depending on what's going on. I'm saying to you tonight, friend, the greatest thing 
that you could do for your family members would be to carve out either 15 minutes or 30 minutes a day and take what I've given you tonight. If you want to take something out of it or add something to it, so be it. But take the idea of praying for wholeness, pray it for yourself, pray it for your family members, and just see 21 days from now what might be different in the life of your family. Amen?